I, um, I want to do something this morning. I want to um, do something that we do every week, uh, which is just a little thank you for your charitable donations here. We, um, every week we remind people that we're completely supported by this community and there are so many who generously support the work of Friends Church and uh, I just I want to say thank you for those that have been coming out maybe you're listening online maybe you're taking our podcast you love what we're doing and maybe you've just never thought about uh, supporting the work of Friends Church I'm just a gentle little reminder that you too can join the ranks and uh jump in and give in your own way, in your own capacity, whatever. There's no pressure. But um, you can do that in a number of different ways. You can, you can give at the black box at the back. You could go online through our app. You can do it a number of different ways. You can set it up as a one-time thing. You can do it monthly. You can do whatever you want. We make all options available to you. But anyways, that's that. But on that note, I sometimes I'm... I'm not sure how much to share behind the scenes of an organization like this. This is a business, really, in the, in the, in the way that we have expenses, and, we, and so we try to make sure that our revenue matches our expenses and all that kind of stuff. And I, I got scar tissue from past years growing up where church became about money and stuff. So I get, I get nervous about what I should share, but I want to share something this morning that's pretty good news. In a church like we have here, we have many people that attend Friends Church that never attended church ever in their life. And it's a different kind of crowd than you might find at First Baptist down the street, where in more traditional environments, people have grown up in church. They've been steeped in teaching about giving and financial stuff and whatever. And in those kind of churches, you'll find many people give a very healthy amount to the church. It's just been drummed into them. Our community, many of them never have done it. And so it's like kind of this weird concept. So as a result, our funding model looks a lot different than the traditional church model. Typically what happens in terms of a general giving community that give to Friends Church, the amount that comes in proportionately is a lot smaller than say a traditional church. And so in order to make ends meet for this ministry, what we end up doing is then going out and fundraising the balance to make sure that this thing stays pointed true north and we continue to do what we're doing. Why? Because we believe the world needs a friend's church. We believe there are people out there that would never go to a traditional church and they need it the way we do it. And so we go to these lengths to be able to shore up our finances. So all that to say, every year, besides what comes in to the general offerings through PAG and online giving and all that stuff, we will go out and raise a chunk. Typically, in all truth, it's about $100,000. That's what it's been. Through the pandemic and crowd sizes dropping, the black box donations went way down. There was about $24,000 that went away in revenue just from drop-in attendance. So this year's number was $125,000. Now, we don't come out and tell you those numbers typically because people, oh my God, this is, what are you guys doing? This is crazy. So typically what we'll do is behind the scenes, we'll go out and we'll talk to some different funders. There are some people that believe in Friends Church so much that they write large checks. 
Like you wouldn't believe it. But they believe the Friends Church is needed. So they write these checks. Well, we come around to September and we're about $55,000 short of the year end. And these are turbulent times. Sometimes those big donors, a lot changes in business. And so I start kind of, <laughs> I'm hoping, hoping everything's going to go according to plan, but sometimes it doesn't. So this year I did something a little different. I widened out a little bit of a, an ask to beyond just a few of those key people who have helped us in these times with that amount, widened out to a larger group, a little bit larger, and said, here's the deal. I'm going to turn back the curtains. I don't want you to freak out. We're going to be 55 grand short at this moment. Would you be interested in helping that out? If you can, only if you can. The response was so swift and generous. It blew my mind. Got knocked off. At this point, we're at 58,000 bucks. $58,000. Like, I just, I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. In fact, what I thought is I could, if we could whittle it down to about 25 grand, then I would come out to everyone and go, hey, we got 25 grand. Can everyone help? And we'd spread out the load. But it got taken care of way quicker than I was expecting. So that's why I'm here right now in this moment. I got to tell you what we all get to participate in. It's not that. I'm not going to ask any more people to be able to help out outside of what you're normally doing. Don't stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> but Christmas is coming. And we have an opportunity to change some lives. So we're going to sponsor a bunch of families for Christmas hampers. These people are floating right below the poverty line. They are needing help. So we have an organization that we're partnering with, Connections Counseling, that helps a number of families. And if you've been around here for at least even one Christmas, you know how that goes down. We'll have trees set up out in the lobby in a number of weeks. Actually, soon. And you can pull a card off and you open up the card and it will give you the name and the needs of anything from a two-year-old up to an adult parent. And what you'll do is you'll shop for that person. And there's all different capacities. You could take four cards, you could take one card, whatever. That's going on. And that is a, that's such a major gift. And then what we'll do is we'll shop for them and then we'll bring all the gifts that we've purchased for these families. And we'll go into the social hall on December 7th and we'll wrap all those presents. And we'll put the gift cards in nice little tins and we'll get it all packaged up. And then the next morning we'll deliver them to the agency that's going to have the families coming in and getting these things. It's not everything, but it is something so meaningful for these families. And I, without apology, I'm not hitting you up for the church now. I'm hitting you up for people who need a hand up. There's another thing that's going on. I, I know someone who's involved on the Sutina um, Reserve, and they, they're doing a food bank drive. I'm always looking for ways to reach into that community, to show them we love them and we care. And uh, I thought, so I was chatting. They said, we're doing this food bag drive. Would your church even consider this? I'm like, everyone has a f 
freaking couple cans in their pantry. That, that doesn't even, you've already paid for that stuff. We could, we could kill two birds with one stone. We could be doing these gifts and we could bring some food items and be able to deliver that onto there. I, every time I turn around, these different causes are popping up right now. I don't know what the capacity is of our community. We have a gentleman, actually, he plays in our band. In fact, you would have seen him playing here last week. His name is Eduardo. He's from Mexico, recently, uh, in the last number of years. And I won't go into his story, but he has such a passion to help families that he knows personally back there, especially kids, around Christmas time. So he's raising funds. A little bit of funds goes so far down there. I thought, someone's got a little money to give to that. We've been in such pandemic mode that's been this for so long and in scarcity mindset just trying to make our ends meet. There's something so beautiful about being able to open up and say, no, no, let's make Christmas happen for some people. So not asking you to sacrifice the farm, but I am asking you to carve out a little bit for Christmas for someone that could really use it. So you're going to hear more about these things in the next little while. I just want to thank you for your generous spirit all of our community and those donors that have already stepped in. I, I don't see, some of them have rarely ever get to even come here. They're listening online. They're, they're watching to the podcast and they're writing these chats. I'm just like, oh my God. But I just want to say thank you to everyone, regardless of your capacity, what you can do. I'm telling you, you're making a difference. You're making Friends Church happen, which in turn, hopefully will inspire a lot of wonderful things in our world. All right, that's all I've got to say. Why don't you uh, turn it over? Let's enjoy one more song before we get into it. Good, good stuff. Awesome. Thank you again, you guys. That was fantastic. Um, in case I haven't met you, I'm Jeff, one of the teaching team here, one of the, the people that uh, helped make this thing just kind of happen on Sundays, that's all. They call me a pastor, but I'm kind of late on that title. Uh, If I was to ask you what it feels like for you when you're in the spiritual groove, how would you answer that? Like, you could probably easily answer if I said, what does it feel like when you're really, like, physically, you're on it? Like, what are the signs there? Or when you're emotionally in a good place? When you're relationally on point? What does that look like? But spiritually, what does it look like when you're really in the zone spiritually? Um... Years ago, I was on my way out to Kingsfold Retreat Center. Anyone ever heard of Kingsfold Retreat Center? Okay, so a few of you. It's, a, it's a, like a little lodge out in the Wipers area, out, out northwest of Calgary, out northwest of Cochrane. And it's designed to be just a, well, it's a retreat center. It's... it's it's a place of calm and tranquility, a place where people can go and kind of unplug. I'd never done it before. 
And um, the guy that I started Friends Church with, Kelly, he had done it a number of times. And he was saying, Jeff, you really need to try this. But you got to go for three days. I was like, whoa, three days. So you go out there, and you know, at that time, cell phones were fairly new. <laughs> That goes way back. And, uh, but anyways, there's no, you know, internet wasn't necessarily, you know, a thing you could do on your phones or whatever, but you go out there and it's unplugged. Uh, no TVs. It was just quiet. I remember driving out there and just my frame of mind in that moment. I mean, I couldn't have, it felt like I couldn't have picked a worse time. My life was just a bit chaotic. We had young kids, felt bad saying goodbye to Kathy. She was shouldering the load. Her parents were going to come in, kind of help out, kind of. But I was so distracted and stressed out. Money was tight. I just remember, and the amount of stuff that I had going on, I just thought, why did I even... My head was so full of just, it was just busy head, right? So I get out there, and uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, I'm just vibrating, trying to, you know, I'm looking around, I'm watching people, and they're just like in this zen mode, you know, and um, you sit at mealtime, and it's very simple meals, not elaborate, not overly fancy, portions aren't huge and it's like okay wow this is feels rustic and it isn't quite just enough to make me kind of go ah you know everything about it is just working hard and the conversations around the table are very solemn everyone's in this very introspective place they're asking questions deep questions and the first day, it was just shock to the system. I found very quickly, I was just tired. I'd go into my room, I'd lay down, I'd just sleep and sleep. And I'd get up and then I'd go for a walk. But after about day one, something started happening. It was like I just got some distance from my life. And it's hard to even explain how that works. But I just felt like I was like flying above my life. A little bit. Like I just got above the tree line. I'm looking down at my marriage, the way I've been interacting with my kids. I'm thinking about all these things. Just on this walk. I could go through all the different things that happened over the three days, but all I can say was I got into that car to drive home. And the level of clarity, I could spot things, decisions I had made that were really problematic, ways of relating to certain people, things I'm saying yes to I should never have been saying yes to. I could see all this stuff. It was like my visibility just cleared up to about five or six miles. I came home, man, the peace the revs, man, I was probably revving about 8,500 when I, when I drove in. Man, when I drove out, my engine was just, just purring. 
maybe 2,000 in Chintak. When I'm at, when I'm in the zone spiritually, I get that visibility. I get distance. I'm able to look at my life a little bit more objectively. The emotions drop. That's one of the real key indicators that I'm in the zone. That's one of them. How about you? What does it look like for you to be in the zone spiritually? Some will say that their levels of self-awareness start climbing. They can spot attitudes that they're, they're holding on to. Chips on their shoulder, they can see it, feel it before they incur some collateral damage with the relationship. They can spot it. They're going, oh, I got, I got some bad juju inside me right now. I got to clear this up. I'm about to tear that person's head off. Some people describe their compassion levels start climbing. When they're not in the spiritual zone, they look at people who are suffering. They go, you think you got problems? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my problems. When they get in that zone, things start changing there. Some have pointed to their ability to live with integrity. That, that ability to kind of go, no, I know who I'm about. And the situation is trying to pull me over in this direction. No, I can see it. I'm saying no to that. Or I'm watching that person because I have this gravitational pull. That's going to be unhealthy. I've got to watch that. When, when they're in the spiritual zone, there's like some kind of radar sets, a, some kind of alarm that starts firing in those moments. They're going, watch it. They can hear it. I hear, I'm, I ask these questions. I'm always amazed at the different, the, the different kinds of answers that people have for what it feels like when they're on top of their spiritual game. That's what we're talking about today. What gets you in that zone? And probably just as importantly, what keeps you in that zone? There are so many different rituals that can be engaged that have benefited people that have held them in those places. It's one thing to experience a one-off I can tell you about my weekend retreat and tell you how I felt driving home that day. The scary follow-up question would be, how many times do you experience that now, Jeff? The truth is, it's hard to live that place, live in that zone. So we just started up a whole series called in the groove that's designed to talk about the rituals, the ritualizing of certain things that keep us in these places. Because anyone can have a one-off mountaintop experience like I had coming out of Kingsfold. It is a completely different experience to be able to somehow wire that into your more of your everyday existence. There are things, tools that we can use that can do that. That's what we want to talk about. This morning, I want to explore what I call the big three in terms of rituals. I call them that. 
And in all honesty, I wouldn't have called them the big three about 10 years ago. I've had a love-hate with these three. You want to know what they are? The big three, and these probably over the last number of centuries have probably been consistently the big three in more religious settings. One would be some kind of weekly church service, whatever form that takes. Number two, some form of giving back of one's time and talents, community, society in some way, some form of they call it giving back that way. And then some form of financial giving back in whatever way into whatever cause that might look like. Big three. It's weird that I'm talking about these three, holding them up, because I'll be honest with you. When I started pulling away from more of a traditional church environment, I had a bad experience with a number of these. I had watched people engaging these things, not because it was doing wonderful things inside them, but because they were guilted and shamed into them. There was manipulation that was used to make people do these things. And so their whole rationale for doing it was completely missing the point. When we started Friends Church, we had talked to these people who hadn't gone to church hardly at all. And... And they would show up one time and we'd meet them and, ah, it's great to see you. And then it'd be like two or three months later we'd see them and they were like, I'm so sorry. They'd be apologizing. I haven't been here in so long. And we're like, and I wanted to stop them right there and say, we do not take attendance. You do never have to apologize to me for even when you can't make it. That is not what this thing is about. And I remember pushing in the opposite direction. We, the people that get up and take the offering, we were telling them, Remind them, if they're here and they're new, this is not about the money. Don't, you don't have to. We would go, go above and beyond to say, don't, don't, don't. You dare do these for the wrong reasons. Because I'd watched them used in such a bad way. Anyways, 10 years later, I would say I was probably at my peak bottom with some of that stuff, especially over the pandemic. I began to realize what it looks like when these rituals go away, largely in people's lives. And uh, I used to believe, oh, hey, you can just make this work regardless of where you are. I'm I'm not so convinced that that's true for most. So I feel strongly about these big three. And I, I think they're great because they have wide appeal. But anyways... I could talk about them, but I think I would rather just talk to someone who actually just really lives them out and believes it. And so I invited Trevor Dreyer to come. Trevor, I want you to come this morning. And I'll tell you something. Over the years, I've known Trevor a long time. I've, I've known m- many people within this community. There are some people that just truly live out a ritual and experience the power of it. And I'm telling you, I... <laughs> this guy loves it. And uh, I, uh, so much so that I thought, Trevor, I want to ask you how this works for you. Because it wasn't always, these rituals were not always part of your life. No. So first of all, thanks for that acknowledgement. It's pretty damn humbling to be um, asked to come up and, and do about that. But yeah, so where would you like to start? Well, I want to, I, I want to just rifle through these three. I want to talk, first of all, about church. 
church attendance for you? So for sure, like my family who's back there will tell you, um, they used to guilt us in the day, right? I was raised Catholic, so you just go to church on Sunday. There's no options on that one. Otherwise, you're going to hell, I think, is the sort of the uh, offset. Yeah. So I think that's the guilt manipulation, right? Right to a, right to a fault. And my, my parents, we just went to church. That's just what Sundays were, that ritual. And I, as a kid, I, yeah. I could tell you the architecture of the churches we went to, mm. right? Like, that's how zoned in I was to whatever else was going on there. You, you told me, though, that at some point you, you gave up, you stopped. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, you talk about deconstruction of faith, but, you know, at some point church doesn't mean anything to you, and you're like, why am I going? Like, I already know all of the nooks and crannies of this place. So, yeah, I stopped about university, and we were away from it for a decade. Decade. But then you came back, which is always curious. I, I talked about this, I think, last month on the offering thing. Uh, Friends Church did a Christmas piece, and they had Mr. Bean video going at Christmas. And I'm like, is, is lightning going to strike these guys? Like, this is sacrilegious in my own thought process. But moreover, it was meaningful. Like, oh, I understood why you were connecting pieces. And I'm what, like, like wh- why did you even come? I got invited. Okay. You know. Okay. So it happens. wasn't like you're saying, oh, geez, I really need this. No, in I wasn't my life searching or... for anything okay. at that point. Okay. No. And so someone invites you out, kind of catches you off guard, but then you come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, and can you, I mean, looking back on it, can you just. Dis- understand? So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the spiritual gym. Uh, I've got a lot of, uh, if, if you were thinking of me as a rock, there's a lot of chipping that still needs to happen in my own life, right? Like, that's how I see it. I've got a really good friend of mine who's, uh, sorry, just seen so you know, on my strength finder, don't use power tools. I have that actually, that strength finder from four years ago because I just showed my wife. I said, stop asking me to do handyman stuff. My strength finder says don't use power tools. So that's important because I have a friend who's just like one of those people who can fix anything. He's built three houses. Three houses. I'm like, okay. So any, and anytime you need anything, you just phone him up and bang, he's there and he fixes stuff. And I just have nothing but admiration for that. And yet I look at other parts of his life and I can see relationships are a bit rough. Right, in terms of like, yeah. So when I looked at what church was doing for me, it was making me a bit better Trevor. Not trying to make me into someone who could use power tools. I still can't, I don't plan to. I'm really happy about that, thank you. But just making me a little bit better, a little bit more patient, a little bit quieter sometimes. Um, and it was this gradual process, right? Yeah. Like it didn't happen the first week. Okay, and so like when you started coming, was it was it a monthly thing? Would you have no, no? I started like I started couple? right away. I was pretty committed, right? I, I, I do do that. Like when Jeff was talking about you know people who get into rituals, I do get into ritual. You would be sweet. one that naturally gravitates to ritual. I like it. Um, but you know, the music was part of it in uh-huh. terms of the connection pieces of that. Uh, back in those days, we did great plays and production. Sorry, Jeff, to put that on you, but it's true. We had some amazing production. There was a drama department here that was just ridiculous, and I was connecting with some of those pieces in my own life. Mm-hmm. It was pretty easy to connect the dots so like if you look at what the Sunday morning church ritual has been like I mean when I look at you 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 will even go when you're on vacation 
Doesn't everyone go to church on Sundays and when you're on vacation? I don't. I'll tell you that right oh, now. Fair enough. You know? One of my best experiences, uh, just this year, actually, hilarious on this one, two separate experiences. So when I was in Vancouver visiting my brother and I went to church, and the guy's talking about the parable of the fig tree. Like, if you grow a fig tree, you wait for a couple years, it doesn't bring fruit, you rip it out. So he said, listen, I married into an Italian family. I didn't know you had to be a gardener, and we had to grow a fig tree. It's 15 years now, he said, growing, and it still doesn't produce fruit. And what was funny about that, he even had a picture of the fig tree there. It's like, this guy was dedicated. He's like, I think maybe the message might have been about patience. That was a very cool service, right? So you're in Vancouver, you just went for an early morning church service. I don't drag the family to those ones. And he's talking about patience. And I'm like, oh, where do I need patience in my life? Oh, so many areas. And then uh, this summer, we're doing some, some touring around the UK. And uh, I got to thank our music team. If you've ever tried to sing with organs, they sound like a funeral dirge. Like, it's just terrible, right? All of the sounds are the same. There's no emotional connection to organ music. And that's the other part. I know when I go to churches, uh, other churches, I come back here and I'm like, man, this is a good place. Like, we really try to connect every week. The music tries to connect every week. So not only do I get, like, a gem like that, like, fig tree. <laughs> I get that piece of, yeah, like we do really good work here. I, uh, I can, re- I relate to the music piece mm-hmm. often. I'm kind of, in all honesty, distracted on Sunday mornings thinking about everything that's going on behind the scenes, but there is something about when the, when the music starts playing, and especially when there's lyrics up there that, you know, even poetically are speaking to some part that just get me even just ask the question, what is that about? Or where, do, how does that song relate to me? And I found myself, I stand over there, uh, and I just allow that music to move. And I, I'm telling you, the number of times, just, and I, how, many, how many are music people? You feel that, you feel, yeah. And when that music starts to play, something, for me, I just describe it as a melting it's like I can come in hard. I, maybe Kathy and I had a scrap, and I'm still trying to hold my moral high ground on whatever. And it, it's like I can be standing there, and the song sometimes isn't even about that, but somehow it weaves its way in. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm clearing above the trees, and I'm looking at that situation with Kath, and I'm going, shit, Jarvis, let it go. That's not that important. Well, we talked about that, right? Like, you know, when you come on Sundays, you present sort of your smiley face, right? So it doesn't matter if we were in a fight in the car and the before here coming, and there'll be a fight afterwards because we just took a time out, right? It's curious for those that come with <laughs> no, other people. No, no, we don't have to how put many, hands on how that many, one. No, this is important. <laughs> it's important that we understand we, how many have ever scrapped on your way to church with someone. This is a real deal, man. This it, is honest. Okay. Anyways. It happens, right? Yeah. So, But having that space where maybe we call it a timeout space where we're going to take a break for about an hour and we're not going to fight about that. And sometimes the music or something, like you said, softening. And I'm like, yeah, I need to back off of that ledge. I'm not willing to die on that particular point. I think I can make some compromise. Mm-hmm. Very interesting how the, how the tempo of that conversation changes after the service. I'm, I'm amazed at the number of times that we'll be chatting and you will reference a service mm-hmm. and a theme that we were covering and something that you're trying to weave into your life the number of times I've you know Trevor will say oh and what was it and I 
So I can't even remember the service. I'm just looking. And Jeff did the service, right? So that's where it gets funny. But the number of times you have said, yeah, I've adopted this thing Mm -hmm. or I've done something, uh, it, it just seems uncanny, the level of intention that you live with. We talked about that. Jeff and I were asking a question about that. I found during the pandemic when I was doing this online, it was hard, right? I, I, I like seeing all your faces. I, I like coming to a physical space. Um, but sometimes you don't have the space for it. Like your Sunday morning is occupied with kids' activities or you know a family function or something else. And so I think the piece that we tried to do better in my house for this, and I don't know if it'll work for everyone, we just tried to be deliberate. Like we, weren't, we wouldn't do dishes while the surface was on. Like just little things to just be a little bit more deliberate to carve out the space, even if it wasn't at this time, mm-hmm. to really make sure that my focus is there. Like you guys have known that. I mean, you're at work and you, you've got a podcast or something else going on in the background and someone could ask you about it 45 minutes later and you're like, yeah, I don't know anything about what was going on there, right? And sometimes you just get through pieces like that. But yeah, we found being deliberate was, mm-hmm. was a good takeaway for us. Let's talk about volunteering and giving back. Um, I, I was looking at the list of different volunteer things that you have tried over the years. <laughs> Where did it start? Now, Jeff didn't know this when he asked me, um, but it started actually through Friends Church. So Friends Church, many, many years ago, actually had a volunteer forum where they had like different organizations, mustard seed, uh, shelters, homeless peace uh, Yeah, we called it a volunteer fair. I forgot about back at St. Yeah. Way back. And so you just at the end of the service went around and sort of kicked tires and said, who would I like to sit for? And I signed up with a mustard seed that day. That's where it started. Yeah. So I hadn't done a lot of volunteering before that. Really? Nerve wracking? Signing up? Uh, you made it easy that day. You, you, you sold me, and then ec- I executed right away. Okay. So that was good. Yes. Afterwards, it was nerve wracking. I'm like, what have I signed up for? Uh, right? And I'm like, oh. And was it signed up as a one time thing? No, I was going to go every Friday. Every Friday. Just for three hours. Oh, three hours every Friday. Yeah. That's a pretty serious commitment. Most wanted would, and so. It didn't stay there, though, and you didn't stay at the mustard seed. Well, it was interesting. Even, I guess, back then, I knew that, like, I, I wasn't excited to go serve food. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't float my boat. So I went and, and volunteered in the um, in the tutorial area where they needed some help and, and some t- uh, tutoring. I did that for a number of years, and yeah, at the end of most of those... So you were doing some tutoring. Some tutoring. And that was a more natural It's more of a strength for me, for sure. Um, but at the end of a few of those ones, I'm like, ah, it didn't fill me up, which is very funny. I mean, doesn't that sound very selfish? Or isn't this all supposed to be about other human beings? But I, it wasn't refilling my heart. Hmm. You were doing something there, but it wasn't quite a, perf- uh, a match, you felt. So where did it go from there then? Oh, what a good question. Yeah. Okay. So I went to volunteer reading with uh, grade ones and grade twos. <laughs> volunteer reading. Yeah. Pretty deliberate basis. I got a book here for that. Yeah. You understand why well, maybe I'm going to get an emotional moment, but that's crazy. Like, t- okay, so you go and you read like one-on-one with a kid. I admire you, by the way, you teachers in the audience who do like 30 at a time. I don't know what the hell that's like and how you do that, but one-on-one, they're lovely, just so you know, if you're wondering. And so you get to go and you read with a kid for about half an hour. You have to know that Trevor is a voracious reader, yeah. loves to read. So it fit, so, fits so it me. A, and going back to what we talked about last series, meaning, the meaningful oh. life is found, first of all, by paying attention to your own gifts and wiring. 
And so this, this was naturally kind of happening as you begin to re- go, hey, I love reading. Yeah. I, I could maybe And I can do picture do books with that kids, way. right? So that was really, really fun. So you take a turn. You read a book to them. They get to choose it. You get to, they get to read to you. Um, and it's just so awesome, right? Like, it's just so awesome. And, I, and I, I gauge that in terms of, like, how it fills me. Like, when I'm done that a couple times a week now, I do that. It's an hour of time. And I walk out in there, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's feeling pretty good. I remember this one day, though, specifically. This is seven years ago. I, <laughs> I brought the book. It wasn't a kid who needed reading help. Like, she was one of those kids, you know, who in grade one who just gets it and, like, was skilled. And so she read to me, Alexander, in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I was having a good day already when I went in. But she did the, everything perfect. You know, like, the characters got bigger. Or they got really small, and she did it. And at the end, I just, like, that was awesome. And I'm like, seven years later, I can still feel the emotion from that moment. I'm like, that's kind of what it feels like when you're like, okay, I was just there, and that was awesome. Wow. Yeah, so it's super fun, super fun. I, just this past Friday, like, just uh, as we were doing Snakes and Ladders, and we were making up word stories with another kid that I'm reading at, and it's been great. And I missed that during the pandemic. Like, two and a half years, that went away. Wow. That was tough. You know, it's amazing. We talk about different things that float people's boats. Man, man when I get, when I start asking Trevor about the, the volunteer opportunities, like, he, that just fills them. Like, do you see this? Like, I was like, holy crap, I could never read the kids. But man, that is the thing. <laughs> One at a time, one at a time. Yeah, it's really gentle. Amazing. There is a funny piece, though. Like, I think the other thing you have to look at when you're looking at giving, and everyone has different strengths, um, you have to look at how it fits in with the rest of your life. So my family, generally, I, I pick times that we're not conflicting a lot with family, but this is relevant. I was doing volunteer reading the one Friday morning when my wife went into labor, and I didn't have a cell phone. So that's a story that still comes up at my household. There's a big rigmarole about why I was two hours late coming home when your wife is in labor. So I think you have to be really cognitive of like when you're giving your time as well, right? So that it, there's still space for other people in your life. But yeah, I wouldn't be able to do it without my family support, right? They're like, yeah, go to town, float your boat. I think um, in all honesty, there will be some people who it'll be a very big struggle to give back. Mm-hmm. That's just part of their own wiring. They're not wired to give that way. And so this will be extra hard for them to do it. On the flip side, there will be some who actually find it very easy. You're naturally givers. And so your spiritual journey will look like maybe you saying no more so than saying yes. So we're not in some way trying to promote that saying yes to more is, is the right thing for everyone's spiritual journey. I, I am more a they person. I'm a natural people pleaser. Part of my spiritual journey has been me saying no to opportunities more so than saying yes. So it's, it, it can go both ways. And um, we can get ourselves in trouble if we're natural givers, um, definitely. Yeah. But I loved, as we began chatting, watching kind of your unique volunteer journey leading you into hot, cold, hot, cold, until you finally found windows where you're going, man, this, I'm not only helping, but this is just so meaningful to me. I know you also volunteer with Switch and okay. students. Okay, that's, 
okay, another story with might have some tears in it. So three years ago, I, I wasn't involved with youth. Like teenagers still perplex me, and I have one, and they still perplex me, right? So I have three, they still perplex me. Uh, fair enough, right? And I'm just like, so we go and we build a house in Mexico. That's an amazing story by itself. At, um, in one evening after the project's done, they have a, a firelight thing, and I'll give you a little hint. People go around the firelight, and you take turns having eight people tell you what they like about you. And the only thing you can say is, thank you. I don't know if you've ever been on a seat like that. Oh my God, is it uncomfortable, right? You're like, people are saying such kind things. I didn't know. And, and one kid pops up and he said, oh, you're about the coolest uncool dad I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you? But it's funny, right after that, I started volunteering to switch. And I, I can tell you that piece was really meaningful to me because what he said is, you were just being yourself. Like, yeah, we were talking about superhero movies or something else. I wasn't trying to do football with the kids at the end of the day. I'm like, no, I could break something. I'm just going to stay over by the firelight, right? And I could just be myself. And that's what I find when I go to Switch, which I really enjoy about Switch. We just talk to kids as kids, and I, can, I don't have to be anything else than who I am, right? Which is really fun. Love it. I don't relate to everybody that way, right? Like, if you're not up on the latest superhero movies, I'm... Probably not going to spend much time talking to you, but there's lots who are, so it's good. But it's fun, right? Like, it's really fun. I love watching you with the kids and, and talking with uh, my son who's involved there. He's, he's had similar observations of watching you in your element. It's a wonderful thing when you figure out your element, mm -hmm. figure out what one thing or two things or something you can do that can give back in such a meaningful way. You know, Trevor is one example, but looking out over this crowd, watching and just seeing so many of you having given back in meaningful ways. And I guess maybe, maybe in your mind you're going, oh, yeah, I found my thing or I've, I've, I'm trying some different things and I'm getting closer, whatever. Uh, the, the ritual of committing to something, whether it's a perfect fit or not, and saying, I, I'm, I'm going to just do this thing. There, there's something about being forced in the ritual to come back to it and then come back to it again versus the one-offs. So we investigate, we try, but at some point putting your stake in the ground saying, okay, I'm going to give this a six-month shot. Let me ask you something. Is there, is there a, a giving back ritual where you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this stake down here. I'm going to give this an honest go. I'm going to come back to it and see what it does. I've had these rituals of giving back that have really, at times, worked for me, and then it, it was like the season ended, mm -hmm. and I needed to pull up the stake and say, That's, it's, it's not a good fit now. But it's very easy to put that stake in my pocket and not plant it again. And so maybe the, the encouragement this morning in this area of giving back is to think deeply about what kind of time? Where beyond your life? Maybe you're here for the first time. You're going, you're telling me I should be like volunteering my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without apology. Somewhere. I don't care where. Taking the pot of time that you got in a week, a month. Maybe it's a monthly thing. Maybe, it's, maybe it starts annually. And you work your way in. However, there's no right or wrong. But there's something about setting a ritual where you say, all my time doesn't have to be my own. It doesn't all have to be 
about me. Which brings me to money. And we'll just close on this. And I don't think there's a ton to say, but um, it was interesting. I was asking, you're very ritualized about that, but probably didn't start that way. Do you remember when you first started kind of giving actual so, money? I remember to a cause? my parents always giving dollars to like church, right? So they'd always be putting physical dollars into an envelope, like when I was growing up. So that was part of it. Um, I don't ever remember there being joy in that one. So maybe my mom will tell me differently afterwards. But I don't remember that was like yay. And so when we started, there was no yippies either. Um, like in terms of the piece, we started to give dollars, and then we'd give a little bit more, and then we regularized. Was a it was bit. it a guilt thing for you? I don't know. That's complicated okay. for sure on money, right? But it didn't always have the yippee to it yeah. in terms of the, the piece. Yeah. And then as the process continued, so starting somewhere, right? We started yeah. somewhere, started small. It was like, do I believe in this cause? And if I believe in the cause, then I'm like, okay, then this is just the process. Um, good saying from my parents who were both in the financial services, is, and this isn't a giving number, they said, show me someone who can save 10%. And I'll show you someone who can live off of 90. It was about stewardship, right? That you didn't need every penny to make your life go. And I, I kind of felt like, I, I, listen, we've been given a long time, and, and that's not the point. The point is that we haven't suffered. Like, I still got to go on trips this summer. We're, we're driving an okay car. Like, it runs. Like, it's not, we're not starving. I can tell you that in my house. We haven't had to give up a whole heck of a lot, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, there's still some times where we have good conversations about giving. Uh, and one of the questions you asked is, now the black box has gone away. When I'm not doing charitable giving, I try to remind myself why I'm giving. We used to pass baskets. Like, you wanted a reminder, right? Like, here, pass the basket about giving. But it was also a good reminder to say, oh, that's, I give to this thing because. And, and that's a nice piece, right? So I still try to now carve out the time when we're doing that to say, why am I still giving to, to this organization? And yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, but there's still not always a piece, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I can relate to that. I can relate <laughs> to that. I, I, I know for me personally, as I've been thinking about just my own journey with giving back, I think there was a lot of guilt for me initially in terms of why. Mm -hmm. Or it was taught that, man, if you do this, it's like a magic button and you're going to get blessed for it. Oh, oh, thank you. The Homer Simpson line. Homer Simpson's like, God, what do I pay you for on Sunday? That's the Homer Simpson line, right? Like, what do I pay you for on Sunday? Well, and, and to be honest, I think, you know, as we've gone away from the guilt and the manipulation and all that thing, and just saying, look at if you believe in this thing, support it. Mm -hmm. And as any charitable organization, cause out there, it's kind of a transaction. It's a fee for service. If you think that we're doing something good for you, then here, you pay for that. But I, if I'm really honest with you, the spiritual ritual of giving has kind of gotten watered down for me in doing that. Because it's kind of like I'm giving to get. It becomes a transaction. It's like, oh, okay, you guys are doing some good things for me. I've been blessed. My man. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of something. It, in some ways, it misses out from something that you're talking about, the 90%. Like there's, there's this place when I know I'm giving in the best kind of place. Mm. And it does something for me it's when I can just, it doesn't become about who I'm giving it to or even how much. It's this acknowledgement, I got a lot. I, I got enough here. And I can give a little bit to something else, to someone else, to help something. And it, so it starts almost from a place of gratitude. Yeah. And when I start there, when I go, man, I'm so grateful. My, I remember my grandfather at a Christmas 
dinner one time. He started by praying and he said, or before he started praying, he's, he looked around and he said, not one of us has ever gone without a meal. Never. And so today we're going to begin with thanks. And I remember that and it had like such an impact on me. Every Christmas dinner, every time when our family joins hands and prays, I think I say that. It starts with that place of, I got so much. And I can afford to give something. Even something, though, I can do something. And when I start there, it's like something melts inside of me. It melts the narcissism. It melts this, oh, I just, I want more. I'm not going to be happy unless I get that next thing. Whatever. It stops that. So I think there is something about this giving ritual that sometimes even the PAG kind of kills. It's like, I, I'm giving, Kathy and I give every month. I don't even know I'm doing it most times <laughs> until actually PushPay, which we use here, sends you the reminder. We just pulled it out of your bank. I'm going to get that email. Uh, oh, you just gave this much. And there are times where I go, ouch. Oh, that could have been used for a lot of other. Maybe it's just me. But that is a healthy reminder. And that pinch is the same thing that we once, once upon a time felt when the baskets got passed. They say giving credit card, you hardly even feel it. Give cash, that's a different experience. Way back in the day, you had to pull out cash, put it in, ooh, and that was like a, and there was a reminder in that moment. You give that, it's like, oh, do I really want to do this? And it's a callback to who am I? What am I about? Hey? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, we remember what our takeaway is? Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff asked, like, what's the takeaway? So remember, no power tools. That's the third time I mentioned it. No power tools. So don't come and ask me about power tool help. I suspect that there's probably something that you've been thinking about to say, you know what, this fits me. This is who I am. This is what I'd like to do. And I also am going to go out on a limb here and say, I bet you know the next step. Not everything in the future. Like, I tried a few things, and I've kind of pushed back from there and went other directions. But you might know the next step. And if I can encourage you in terms of the spiritual journey, I, I do think, like, it's like, where is your heart sort of leading you to say, hey, this is, this God's where I feel I should go. Okay, who would I phone, or who would I get in contact with, or what would that look like, right? And just reach out and just start that process, right? Just start the process. Just take that next step. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we could have spent a lot of time talking about a whole bunch of different spiritual rituals this morning. The truth is, some of you are already practicing mm -hmm. these in a very real way. Sometimes revisiting your why behind the rituals you're doing right now, really important. Is this doing something for me? Am I in putting myself in a place where the rituals I'm engaging with are actually doing something. Once you have that foundation, I think those big three, you start weaving those into your life, then it starts spawning from there. I was talking with a woman this morning, or, or this week. She said, I'm working on a Sabbath ritual right now because I'm working seven days a week. And I, wow. I, I'm not technically working seven days. I am working seven days a week, though. And there is no breaks built in. She says, I'm trying to figure out what my Sabbath would look like. I go, great, great. Some of you, are, there's meditation rituals 
Some of you, it's a retreat ritual that you're, you're doing on a week, right. monthly basis, whatever it is. There's a lot of different things we could talk about. You know, perhaps, something. Um, we're just laying down some, some good kind of foundational tools this morning. Think deeply about the spiritual rituals that get you into that zone, get you into that place where you go, okay, I'm there. This is, this is where, this, I'm in the groove now. What things lead you into that place? And then ritualize that thing. Make it happen. Say when it's going to happen. Make sure you're coming back to that well again and again. All right, that's all I got. Next, next week, we're, we're, we're going to dive into the area of emotional and mental rituals that keep you in the zone. Nice. Can't wait to talk about that. Awesome. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thank you, Trevor, very much. I'll Can we thank him? Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Well done.